Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you aren't able to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care and God bless. So for me, being a pastor's kid, I have a tradition, I have a legacy, an understanding of Lent that is as old as I am and slash baggage as well. My father was a pastor for 60 years and for two years he was at St. James and that was the only time during his entire career he had a staff. The rest of the time he was in usually two-point parishes. And so you have 52 weeks a year and every July we would go to our cabin up at Whitefish So I'm not very good at math, but 52 minus 4 means my father preached 48 sermons every year of his career. He also found Sunday school teachers. He also formed every committee. He also taught every confirmation class. He also did the bulletin. In the mimeographs, They weren't powered, and I was so happy when I could finally do that. And many times I would spend time that I had available folding church bulletins, which explains why I am what I am today. And so you think about someone who does that, as well as a two-point parish. So in Hayward, Minnesota, where we lived for quite a while, my father would wake up and he would drive 28 miles to Trunyum Lutheran Church in Austin, Minnesota. He would preach a sermon, he would do the service, and he would look at the people, the 22 people there, and that was his time to be their pastor. And it was like speed loving. How are you, how are you, how are you, how are you? And then he had to drive. 80, 85 miles an hour back to Hayward, Minnesota and do the church service again. So whenever Lent would come, my father would get Lenten Auli because all of a sudden it would be all those things and then Wednesday, 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 Wednesday and someone would get sick and or die and add to the workload. And so later in his career, my father had the idea that we would do plays. And so that would be easy, except my father, when he was at Luther College, he won national debate at that level as a first-year student. And he was also very good in plays. And so we weren't allowed to look at the book. We had to memorize them. They were choreographed. And I was Peter, I was Paul, I was almost Mary. I was everything in every play because I could memorize. And so it wasn't easier, it was more difficult. And so for me, Lent was dad's in a bad mood until Easter. And so I made a deal with God. I never wanted to be in a small church because I never wanted to be that owly. And thankfully, I've always been in bigger congregations And the good thing about that is that when Lent comes, it's kind of a speed bump. We have five pastors here. We have a lot of hands, a lot of feet. But Lent to us is kind of one of those things, what do we do with it? And especially, what do we do with this year? And so behind the sermon, about 10 days ago, I was sitting in my home office, which is in the formal dining room at our home, And I looked at the calendar and I thought, oh my, 
Lent's coming. And frankly, because of the last year, I wasn't too pumped about Lent. Because it's solemn. Focusing on our sin. Remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. Why don't you come back next week and we can talk about some more good news in the midst of all the COVID news. And then I thought further about it. So I did a, here's a little primer of what Lent is about in traditions, including ours, fasting, as in do not eat for 24 to 36 hours. You gotta be kidding me. As soon as I get done with lunch, I think about dinner. That's not holy. Abstinence from meat. Next to pizza, it's meat. I'm not going to do that. I'm not Catholic. I'm Lutheran. I'm going to have beef. Repentance. It's good for one's soul, but not a lot of fun. And prayer. Not eating something for 24 to 36 hours. I'll be hangry. I will pray for food. That's it. And so maybe I thought, and this is what I thought, I thought maybe Lent 2021 should be yet another casualty of COVID-19. And as your senior pastor, I hereby declare that we're just not going to have it, just like we've not had a lot of other things. But then, and I'm serious with you, I realized something that I've known all along. And this is what I thought. Our life with God is never as frustrating. Our life with God is never as hopeless. Our life with God is never as disheartening as our life with others this side of heaven. And I mean this with all my Lutheran heart. With how life is, I thought we need Lent this year now more than ever. And so I decided not to cancel Lent. I have three points. Point number one, there is a higher purpose behind fasting. You think it's just about not eating? No. Fasting in general is a form of self-denial. In a spiritual sense, the purpose is to show restraint and self-control. It is a spiritual discipline intended to allow each person to focus more closely on their relationship with God without the distractions of worldly desires. To recap, each person during Lent focuses more on their relationship with God without all the distractions of the world and people and places and things and jobs and bills and errands and social media. A period of time when we focus on showing restraint and self-control. So I'll go first. I say sign me up. How about you? When do we start? We already have. Point number two, when all is said and done, more is said than done. Remember Lou Holtz? Remember when he was going to take us to the promised land? And we won a couple more games we did before, but I like his quote. When all is said and done, more is said than done. Remember what was read? Jesus said, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. He goes on, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. I looked this up, Matthew 21. 
What do you think, said Jesus? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, said this cherubic angel. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said to the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two, asked Jesus, did what the father wanted? The first they answered. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. You need to know that Jesus is talking in this case to holy dudes who are wearing this and says the tax collectors and the prostitutes are in a line of righteousness before you. Put up your dukes. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. When all is said and done, more is said than done. I, my friends in Christ, don't want to be a soundbite. But we have people in our midst, and I'm tempted to sound good and say the right things. But what really matters is, do we do the right things? I love this quote. Words are meaningless when actions are worthless. Now, Here's the part I want you to hear very clearly. It is not my role or my job to judge somebody else. My role is to make sure that my words and my actions are as closely tied as possible. Don't blame me for these words. What Peter read came from Jesus and was talking to people who said they were holy but did not do holy and good things to other people. And Jesus said, if you say it, at least attempt to do it. And if you don't do it, don't say it. Point number three, repent, 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 repent. How come I had that many? Because it's one for each day of the week. I want to tell you two things about repentance and I want to unpack hypocrite because I think they're very important. The first thing about repent is Pastor Don Sponheim. He was at Farmington Lutheran when I went there in 1991 and he told the story to the people, I think during Lent, about repent. And repent is to feel sorry for, it is to be contrite, but it is also turning around and doing the the opposite of what you've been doing. If you had a child or two, for example, and one of them had a habit of maybe hitting or pushing another child, just hypothetically, it rarely happens. And after you talk to that child the 250th time, and they say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, don't you say, seriously, you need to do differently. Or it's like this, is that you leave here and you want to go to Chanhassen. But you get on 212 and you go east. 
and whatever device you have, male or female voice, tells you, recalibrate, turn around, take the next clover leaf, you say to him or her, I know I'm wrong, I'm sorry, and you keep on driving. And then you get to Fairview Southdale Hospital, and again, the person says, you're going the wrong way, turn around, you say, I know, thank you for the help, and you go toward downtown. Repent is to say, I'm knowing going the wrong way and doing the wrong thing, and go the other way, and go toward Chanhassen. Hypocrite, which Jesus said at least two or three times. So my internship was in Mason City, Iowa, and I knew internship is important. When you come back, they pretty much figure out, did you hurt yourself with a stapler, or did you set anything on fire, but did people like you, yes or no? And you had, in my case, four people who filled out evaluations. I was born at night, but not last night, so I knew these four people were gonna grade me. One of the persons just happened to be a woman. I met her, and I said good morning, and I think for some, for some reason she took issue with how I said good morning, because that's how it started. It was not good. But I realized that she was one of four. And so I acquiesced for 11 months. And I just took it. So I get back to class. And I'm in Bill Hume's class, pastoral care and counseling. And he says, let's talk about what it means to be a hypocrite. He said, has anyone ever been a hypocrite? And I wanted to get it out of my soul because I was nice to that person and I didn't want to be. And you know what? She really didn't deserve it. She was mean and naughty. I raised my hand and he said, tell me the story. And I said exactly what I said to you. It's all true. I'd say it on a Bible, court of law. And when I told my tale, Dr. Hume said, David Lilliard, why were you nice to that woman? I said, I was nice to her to save my hide. He said, David Lilliard, you're not a hypocrite. I said, thank you, but why? If you would have said, I was nice to her because I'm a nice person, you'd be a hypocrite. If you would have told me and thought to yourself, I'm nicer because I'm a good Christian, you're a hypocrite but because you were saving your own hide and you were honest about it, you are absolved of your sins. And I said, amen. Do you hear me? We simply have to be honest about our station in life and who and what we are. We are sinners. No better, no worse redeemed by the blood of Christ. We don't keep track of ourselves or other people. So let's talk baseball, shall we? A warm weather sport. And here's perhaps another team that won't disappoint us. A batting average higher than 300 is considered to be very good. Pastor Peter is our baseball wonk and he didn't correct me after the noon, so I'm just going ahead. Ted Williams, the Boston Red Sox, he batted 406 in 1941. Not very good at math, but that's higher. Where am I going with this? 
we know how God would like us to live and love and serve. We are called to love all people. We are called to love our neighbors. We are called to pray for our enemies. We are called to put ourselves aside and help those who can't help themselves. We know all those things. At best, on a good day, we hit 406. Nevertheless, every morning when we put our feet in the ground and we wake up and we say, we're going to try to do our best and get a hit. But try as we might, my friends, six out of seven times, or we either strike out or we hit it back to the pitcher. I'm sorry if you're disappointed in me, but that's kind of my average. So every day we say, I'm sorry. And Jesus says, I forgive you and go and give it another try. Go up to bat and give it another shot. In the wise words of the country singer, Scott McCreary, I know some of you are going to judge me. I love country. I actually love country because you know what? They mention Jesus as much, if not more, than Christian music. I know what I'm talking about because I listen to both. And this is actually the impetus of this sermon, like it or not. I ain't holy water and I ain't all Jim Beam. I'm somewhere in between. Now, I know you're eating prairie and I know you don't want Jim Beam and you want Chardonnay, but then if you have Chardonnay, you can't have a country song. And I know you're tempted to think this is pablum because it's dumbing it down, but it's just so I understand this. We ain't holy water, my friends, and we ain't all Jim Beam, but we're somewhere in between. That we are sinners, but we are redeemed sinners. And you come with mass. Those who are at home have spent, what, almost a year not going places? But we still worship. Not so we can become something, but because we are something in Christ. Welcome to Lent. And I think perhaps you'll join me delving into your relationship with Jesus, being honest about who and what you are, and just step up every single day and try to do your best to love your neighbor. Remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. In the meantime, you and I are called, sent, forgiven, and the children of God. Welcome to Lent 2021. After all, amen. We hope you found this week's message helpful as you think about how you will live out your faith each day. If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007. Thank you, and God bless.